I've definitely taken dogs from some bad people. Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a love for all things animal. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, rescues, and rehab facilities. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, volunteers, anyone who is as passionate about animals as I am. Join me on my Raw Safari. Hi, hello, how are you? Welcome back to the podcast that I'm having a hard time getting made right now because my dog will not leave me alone. The Rossafari Podcast. Seriously, y'all, I think my pup Lexi might be the biggest Rossafari fan out there. Not because she loves the show, but because she knows that every time I start working on it, all she has to do is get a little bit needy and I'll give her all the treats just so I can get some work done. You know, I talk to a lot of animal people on this podcast, and many of them are amazing at training, but I don't think I've met a single human who is as good at training as Lexi is when it comes to training me. All joking aside, though, aren't dogs amazing? A few years ago, I was in a kind of freakish car accident. I'll spare you all the gory details, but it was not your standard car-hits-car type thing. Anyway, in the weeks following, I could barely walk. From the time I got home from the hospital until the time I was able to get up and function pretty well, Lexi would not leave my side other than for meals and to go potty. It didn't matter who showed up or what was going on, she wanted to be not just close by, but physically touching me the entire time. Now, y'all have to understand that, in general, Lexi can be pretty aloof for a dog and really likes her space and taking naps on large piles of blankets, but in that time, she refused at all to make sure I was okay. Animals truly are everything. And that tale leads us to the backstory for today's show. I am just a huge fan of The Office. It is one of my favorite comedies ever, to the point that I have done two complete rewatches during the last year. I am also an avid listener to The Office Ladies Podcast, which is a weekly rewatch show with Office stars Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey, where they talk through one episode each week. On one of their episodes, they mentioned that one of the guest stars in that week's episode was Shira Scott Astroff, and mentioned that she is still acting, but also runs an animal rescue shelter in Los Angeles. Well, as you can imagine, my ears immediately perked up, and I started following Shira and the shelter on Instagram. As I started to see more about their mission and the incredible work they do, I realized that Shira would make an incredible podcast guest, and not just because then I would get to hear all about what it was like to be on The Office. Although, yeah, that helped. You see, Shira is the founder and president of the Animal Rescue Mission. The work this shelter does is so far beyond what I have ever heard of shelters doing, and it honestly comes across as more of a conservation organization for dogs than anything else. For the first uh, 15 minutes or so of this episode, we talk about Shira's career, including a pretty deep dive into her time working on The Office as the high school girlfriend of the nard dog himself, Andy Bernard. Then, after that, we turn to tales of the shelter, including some really amazing rescue stories. Shira is basically fearless, and what she is doing for the animals she loves is absolutely incredible. Her mission and her goals align so perfectly with the wildlife conservation world 
to the point that I think this is the first time I've ever really paused to consider how much domestic animal rescue and exotic wildlife conservation truly go hand in hand. As Shira says in the episode, we're all on the same team, and she does a great job illustrating that point. Plus, you get a Rasafari poop story from an actual Hollywood actress. If you like what you hear in this episode, please take a minute to follow along on Facebook and Instagram at Rasafari, and visit rasafari.com for more information. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of the other awesome stories of zookeepers and other people working in the conservation world to save animals all around the country and the world. And it's not lost on me that some of you may not be interested in hearing about the office or acting in general or anything like that, but are coming here to get your dosage of good animal stories. Trust me, this episode has a ton of awesome animal content. If you're really not interested in any of the other stuff, go ahead and skip to right around the 20-minute mark of this episode, and you'll be able to pick up with all of the cool animal stuff. Uh, One quick note, there are a few naughty words in this episode. With that said, get ready to be inspired like crazy by Shira Scott Astroff, president of the Animal Rescue Mission. And she was on The Office. So, tell me who you are and uh, where you work. I am Shira Scott Ashtroff, and I'm the founder and president of the Animal Rescue Mission, which is a rescue based in LA. We rescue primarily dogs, um, also cats, and, you know, the occasional squirrel, rat, (laughs) bird. (laughs) That's awesome. And um, that's not your only career, though. You are also an actress. Yes, I am also an actress and, um, yeah, doing both of those. Well, I'd say full-time, but nothing in acting has really been full-time in 2020. No, our industry is gone and it's very sad right now. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so let's start off talking about that a little bit because um, where I know you from is that you were in season three, episode 20 of The Office playing Andy Bernard's high school girlfriend. Oh, my God, I love that. You know (laughs) the season episode. Oh, I'm such a nerd. As a matter of fact, um, when I was – um, I was recently, well, recently back in November, I was doing a gig at a theater and we were doing an office rewatch in our downtime at the theater. And, um, when you, they mentioned you on the office ladies podcast and they mentioned that you like work with animals and stuff. I freaked out and I was like, <laughs> I need to find this girl. I need to get her on my podcast. That's amazing. And all of those people that were doing the rewatch with me are so excited that I'm talking to you right now. Oh, yay. oh my God. That's amazing. Actually, that Office Ladies podcast was was amazing. I had so many people reach out wanting to volunteer, wanting to donate. Um, I got a lot of support from that. It was it was pretty awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, Office fans are a a pretty uh, pretty loyal yeah, breed. Pretty awesome people. <laughs> so tell me tell me about what that was like. What was it like being on the Office? Because that was like the hottest show back then. Yeah, it was kind of like a dream. Like I I said a lot of this on the um, obviously his podcast. So I don't know what I'm repeating, but what's funny is it was the hugest show at the time, but I actually had never watched it. <laughs> and so when I got the audition, I watched an episode the night before to kind of get, you know, the, the energy of it. 
and went to the audition sick by the way i had a fever that day actually i didn't tell this to the office ladies podcast i didn't know if this was at all interesting it probably isn't but (laughs) it's interesting to me (laughs) i was really sick i had um i had like a fever like you know kind of like a fluish thing going on and that was back in the day where you could still go places (laughs) sick And, you know, I gave the best audition I could give, hiding my sickness, um, went home. And that week I actually lost my voice. And so when my agent called that I booked it, I had no voice. (laughs) I had to go and get um, a steroid. I'm trying to remember if it was steroid pills I took or a steroid injection to get my voice back. So I was on vocal rest. I didn't talk. I, I had about a week before we started shooting. and. I was so nervous. I wouldn't be able to do it. But, um, but yeah, I got my voice back and I was healthy enough by the shoot. But, um, but yeah, I mean, when I showed up, I thought I was playing Steve Carl's girlfriend because I didn't know the show at all. So I met Ed Helms, my actual boyfriend and John Krasinski, and they were amazing. I mean, it was the most fun I've ever had working on a show. But the funny thing is, because I always played so much younger than I was back then, I never would tell people my real age because I never wanted to, like, take them out of character or weird them out. Right, right. Um, You know, like, when someone's playing my mom, I don't want to tell them I'm older than them. (laughs) So, you know, they're kind of hanging out with me all day. I was like, this cool 15-year-old. Meanwhile, I think I was 28. (laughs) So you were right around their age then. you, John. (laughs) That's hilarious. Who knows if if you had said something, maybe you could have been there instead of Emily Blunt now, you know, but (laughs) maybe, um, but yeah, I mean, it was the most fun shoot to date that I've ever done. And then afterwards I started from season one and watched every episode and became a complete office fan. And I was like, Oh, I get it now. (laughs) This is the best show ever. That's beyond amazing. That's so cool. I love that. Um, were you just like, was it a one day shoot or how long were you there? Yeah, we, oh gosh. It was a few days. We, end, I don't know if you saw a lot of the scenes got cut, but it made the deleted scenes. Yeah, real. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember overall how long it took and I can't remember, but. We sh- I just remember we shot at high school in Burbank, I think. And there were also like a lot of other scenes we shot with another girl that were cut. I don't know if those made the deleted. It's scene. been a while since I've seen it, but I don't I don't remember. I don't remember that. Yeah, she played my friend and I know her scenes got cut from the show. I don't know if they I don't actually even know if they made the deleted scenes. But um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was so much fun. It was awesome and i remember actually driving home the last day and losing my voice again and being like (laughs) it all worked out perfect that's amazing oh man that is so much fun i love those kinds of things i um 
it's not nearly as cool, but um, I was uh, an extra in a uh, music video on SNL and um, with Adam Sandler and some of the current cast. And I, I'm a drummer. That's my day job. Uh, and there was a miscommunication. So I'm, I'm a bass player in an 80s rock band um, playing pretend bass. in a, <laughs> And same thing. It was just a one day shoot, but the cast was incredible. And we even jammed on some music a little bit in between takes. And uh, just the I mean, sets are an amazing place, like between crafty and just everyone taking care of you and the wardrobe team and the makeup team and somebody whose job is just to fan you while you get your makeup. (laughs) Like it was, it was insane. And I was just like, who am I right now? That's. Were you on the SNL set? Uh, no, we actually filmed at a at a theater in New York um, because we were doing it like a, a music video in a theater with pyro and all kinds yeah. of crazy yeah, stuff. That's awesome. That would be a dream yeah. to be on SNL. Oh, it was amazing, and like it was so funny because I'm barely even lit in the in the shoot, but wardrobe was so specific. I remember there was um there was a whole debate over what pin my character would wear as a non-speaking bass player who's barely going to be seen. But they had like five or six different pins of different 80s artists. And they were like going through and discussing who this hard rock bass player would have on his like leather jacket. And I was like, what is happening right now? <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. No, they, they... funny. You just, sorry, not to bring it back to me, but I wore on the office my own clothes that I wore to audition in. That's that really interesting. Wow, that's really funny. Yeah, they they asked us to bring our own stuff, and they took one look at mine. And we're like, Nah, dude, no. Nah. <laughs> they put me in these. Like, they were like, Yeah, we buy it as a fifty. I don't know. Well, I'm will- I'm willing to admit that you probably have a more fashionable look than I do, as I'm but rocking one my of my st- hoodies. That was like my staple audition outfit at the time, so I think it just worked for everything. That's hilarious. That's so, ah, that's, yeah. Those types of stories are just so fun. It's just so cool to have those moments in in the industry. Yeah, those experiences. And then I I went to, I started classes at UCB after because Ed Helms has told me about that because he, I don't know if he he performed there, he went there, he taught there, all of it. But um, yeah, I guess a lot, a lot came from, from that, that kind of opened a lot of doors. The office was a big thing back then. Well, yeah, or, I mean, heck, it even got you on my podcast. So, look, yeah, it's still I opening mean, doors. Seriously. <laughs> but like, um, so what else? Tell me about some of the other uh, you know, gigs that you've had acting-wise. Um, well, 2020 obviously was completely dead in 2020. Well, I'm actually I'm starting now to get a lot of auditions, so things are definitely um picking up, so hopefully it'll be working soon. That's awesome. But, um, I'm trying to think, I mean, the only, not the only, but another show that I was a diehard, am a diehard Criminal Minds fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I've watched every episode at least twice. <laughs> so sad. Um, <laughs> and like, I'm still actually like rewatching episodes right now. But, um, when I, I had like put it out in the universe that I want to book. Have you ever watched Criminal Minds? I have not. No. But now I have to. Oh, it's, I don't even know how I started, but I got so hooked. I had <laughs> and have the biggest crush on Matthew Gray Goobler. Um, tried to slide into his DMs, but nothing happened. But um, oh, no. I put it out in the universe that 
I was going to be on Criminal Minds. I was going to get kidnapped by an unsub and I was going to get put in a trunk and beaten. And like, I had it all. And <laughs> when I booked it, the script was literally like, get stuffed in a trunk, beaten, punched, hammered, choked, like all of it. So yeah, the guest star who was playing the um, unsub, the bad guy who kidnapped me was Matthew Lillard. And um, that experience, just because I'm such a fan of the show and have this like obsession with, like I always say, if I wasn't an actress and animal Oscar and whatever I was doing, I wish I could go back in time and become a profiler and catch serial killers. Um, but yeah, that experience was amazing being on that show and, and getting to live my dream of being kidnapped and being saved by the <laughs> BAU. That's awesome. Very, Except very good. out uh, talking to Matthew Bray Gugler and stuff. Yeah, trying to get up in the DMs just isn't the same same uh, level of cool. Maybe. No, he wasn't in any of the same scenes as me. So the last day, the makeup artist was like, okay, I'm going to call him in here. Like, you have to, you know. <laughs> and I was such a dork. Like, such a dork. And also, you know, I was playing a 20-year-old. And at the time, I was 30-something. So he probably <laughs> thought I was a child. But you know, yeah. Everyone always tells me that it's great when you look young, but it seems to be messing with your life a little bit. <laughs> I know. I sp- yeah, it's, it's it's just messing with the, the guy aspect, I guess. But <laughs> no, I can't even blame that because then I saw him like a month ago hiking Bronson and I did the same thing. I was like, oh, should, should I tell him I was on his show and, and oh, talk no. to him? And no, nothing, nothing came out of my mouth. So, oh man. So, so far, my favorite part of this interview is just realizing that you're a big dork. I love that. That's so great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's awesome. I, I'm the biggest dork. I, yeah. I mean, same. I say that, I say that with no <laughs> animosity. That's incredible. I love, uh, that's, I, I think it's so funny. And I think so many people don't realize, um, when, when, you know, when they see people on stage or, or on their screen, they think, oh my goodness, this is a big glamorous life and all that. And we all do dorky, silly things. I remember when I was a kid, I would go and see like touring shows, which is now, you know, what I perform in and I, or I'd see bands and I would think like, it's a half hour before the show. I bet their drummer's backstage warming up in his proper clothing right now and like getting in the zone and running through the songs in his head. And now that I'm a touring drummer, I can tell you there have been times that it's five minutes before the show. I'm in line next door waiting for my iced coffee from Starbucks going, oh, my God, 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 I got to get in there. I got to get in there. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then running in a minute before the show, changing as I'm running and like running right on stage and playing like, yeah, every it's very different. A lot different. <laughs> a lot different on the other side. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could tell a lot of silly stories about that. But uh, I know you know them all. So, um, and you just had a, a movie come out recently, right? Oh, yeah. Um, called Half Brothers. I shot it in New Mexico. And, yeah, that, that was an awesome experience because it was kind of in the middle of nowhere. And... I've never been to New Mexico and yeah, I was, I mean, aside from the fact that it was 150,000 degrees <laughs> and my clothes were sticking to every part of my body, it was, it was a really, uh, a really fun shoot, a really fun experience. Amazing cast. We all went out and 
played pool and drank and and I got to play my age. So they all knew that I was, you know, of age. <laughs> That's exciting. Uh, who, who's in that movie with you? The lead of the movie was, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong, but Luis. Oh, my God. How do you say it? Luis Gerardo Mendez. He is um, super famous in Mexico. Um, really, really sweet, awesome guy. Um, so he was the lead. And then the co-lead was this really awesome guy named Connor, who I've become friends with, Connor Del Rio. And I think that was actually his first, um, like, really big, big role. That was kind of his breakout role. Nice. But yeah, that was a really, really fun shoot and a really fun experience being in New Mexico. That's awesome. And it's got to feel good to have art coming out right now. Yeah. It's, yeah. It got delayed, I think, five, six months. Um, but definitely. I did um, this other pilot called, the well, I think they're calling it the Untitled Jason Keatums project um and they changed the name a few times but i i i I don't even know if it's gonna see the light of day now because they ended up canceling so much stuff so so yeah it was really awesome to have that come out good that's really cool so tell me how do you go from from being an actress which you obviously still are but um how how do you go from that to animal rescue and how do you like start this this rescue I started volunteering. Well, I've always kind of volunteered in New York. My family and I were always volunteering at different shelters and rescues. And um, we were known as the crazy cat house because we took in like every feral stray cat and, um, you know, found them homes if they weren't too feral. If not, they have a heated bed and a heated house and a heated water bowl and you know, the like whole outside of our house is a big feral cat dream. So, um, yeah, I was basically rescuing a ton of animals living in New York. And then I moved here when I was 17 and started volunteering at different shelters and rescues and slowly just started doing more and more rescue work. And then I partnered up with a rescue called Care Rescue LA and I was there for a few years. And I don't know, I just, I, it's so hard not to, it's, it's addicting not to, you know, want to save them all. So I just, I don't know, I couldn't stop. And I just saw that there was so much more I wanted to do and so many more ways I wanted to help. So I decided to start my own nonprofit, um, three years ago and yeah, it kind of, it just all blew up pretty fast. We, uh, I have two amazing partners. We rescue a lot of the dogs that, you know, most people won't rescue the, the ones that we, we primarily rescue abused animals. So we'll go into homes where they're being abused or dangerous situations and get them out of there. Um, which my parents are always yelling at me for, (laughs) we, we take, you know, the blind seniors from death row at the shelters. Um, we, I mean, we've seen it all, like just horrible things. Um, And we also go to Mexico, which is horrific there for the dogs. So we're constantly going down there trying to help. And um, we just started a new program, which is to renovate shelters in Mexico 
because the main, my main goal with Mexico isn't to just keep bringing dogs here because that's not going to work. A lot of them are really sick. Right. Right. And, you know, I just had a heartbreaking experience where I brought back, um, two dogs from a shelter I was helping and I was determined, you know, to nurse them back to health and they ultimately ended up dying of distemper and it's, it's heartbreaking. So my goal is for them not to get sick in the first place, to renovate the shelter so that they're clean and the dogs can get vaccinated and spayed and neutered and live somewhat healthy, happy lives and then come over here. But if, you know, we just put a bandaid on it and take dogs over here, then that's not changing things. That's just perpetuating the cycle. Right. Of course. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so let's stay with the Mexico project for a minute. I want to, I want to talk about all of this, but I'm, I'm, I'm so intrigued by what you're doing in Mexico right now. Um, how did this get started for you? How did you, how did you figure this out? Like that this was what you wanted to do? Um, the Mexico thing primarily or yeah, yeah, yeah. I fir- I started rescuing dogs from Mexico at the beginning of the pandemic when I randomly got a message, um, from, a local rescuer down there asking me if I would take some dogs. And I said, yes. And then at the same time, I got a message from another rescuer down there that had found this dog um, that was hit by a car in the street, wasn't moving. And they don't really have many, they have some local rescues down there, but they don't have the funding. They don't have the resources. They don't have the homes. And so I I like at once said yes to, I think I took 21 dogs at that time. And I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? Like, I'm going to pick up all of these dogs. And it was a pandemic. So I got all of these fosters and I had everyone meet me. And the transporter, you know, came over with truckload of all the dogs. And it was just, these dogs were in such terrible condition that it just, it wasn't, it wasn't like anything I've ever seen. Like I've seen dogs in, horrific conditions, but it was just, I don't know. I can't explain it. Like they were emaciated. Like they, they, it was just horrible. So from there I ended up, you know, taking more and more and more. And then I wanted to go down there and see it for myself. And my first trip down there was probably six months ago. And it's like nothing I've ever seen. It is hell on earth for these dogs the, I'm using air quotes, the shelters there, they're not shelters. They're, these dogs are in tiny cages. They're not fed each day. Maybe every fourth day they'll get fed. Maybe they'll get water. They're emaciated. They live in horrific conditions. They're all sick. And I just decided that I need to help. I I can't turn a blind eye to this horror that's going on. So we started um, fixing up that shelter. That shelter was in Tijuana and we started taking more dogs back. And it's amazing to see these dogs go from, you know, never having love, never knowing love, being emaciated. And now, you know, they're living these amazing lives, like some of them way more amazing lives than me. <laughs> like, I've taken some, I'm like, oh, you got your own tennis court. How good for <laughs> for you. Like so many are, are living the life now, but, but I love it. So yeah, we just, we started going back and helping other shelters. And now my long-term goal is I have a list of rescues there that I'm partnering up with and we're going to go and help all different shelters and, and 
change it there. Cause I don't want to keep just taking dogs back. I really want to change it there. No, of course that, I mean, Oh, that's incredible. Good for you. That's awesome. Because yeah, just bringing dogs over is a very temporary bandaid. And I'm glad that you've done that for those dogs. Don't get me wrong. But changing the the way that those shelters operate over there is going to have a lasting impact on more dogs than you could ever bring back. So that's that's really cool. So no, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say the last the last trip there definitely changed a lot because I personally, you know, was fostering one of the dogs and I fell in love with this dog and I decided to adopt her and she ultimately died of distemper and it was so heart wrenching. And aside from being sad, like I'm mad, she never should have had that in the first place. And that's why like my new goal is for her. Her name was Miracle. For Miracle, I want to go and I want to vaccinate the dogs and I want to get them into, you know, kennels where they get fresh water and food and are in a safe place until we could get them here because yeah, we're too late taking a lot of them right now. We need to start from scratch. That's, that's so, that's so admirable. And yeah, I remember I, I, I was following along with Miracle's story on your Instagram and I know we were even texting during some of it and I know how devastating that was to you. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sorry that happened. Um, but I love, I really love that it serves as motivation for you rather than hiding in a hole and, and thinking I'll never love again or, you know, yeah, whatever. Well, things I you're, yeah. you're allowed, I mean, you, you need a period of mourning that makes sense, but you clearly, it motivated yeah. you, which is really cool. I love that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really lit a fire under me. I, it's crazy. I had such a bond with her because I just saw all the pain she had been through and I saw how happy she was to be getting love. And she, you know, she was so excited that she was getting this love and she was going to get better and she never got that chance. And that devastates me and that makes me so mad. And yeah, I just, I want to change things because I want to help all the other miracles there and not have to go get to that point. I want to, you know, help them so that they don't have to go through that. No dog should have to go through that. No, absolutely. So how, I have two questions about this. First of all, how easy is it for you to get dogs over the border uh, back into the States? It's pretty, I should knock on wood. It's pretty easy. Um, That's good. That's good. (laughs) Every time I go, I'm always scared. I'm like, oh God, what if I get like trapped at the border? But um, it's been, it's been pretty easy. I mean, we, we have cards that have their vaccinations on them. Um, They check our passports. It's, it's been pretty, pretty easy so far. Um, I've heard stories of people getting stopped, but not really, not really many. Um, Even this last trip, we accidentally went through the fast lane. Mm-hmm. which you need like a special clearance for that. And we were like, gosh, we're, we're so <laughs> getting taken to secondary. And they were so nice. They were like, it's okay. You can go. And of course I'm like, we're doing that every time. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Um, And then my other question is how, if you don't mind my asking, like, how do you fund all this? Go Going into Mexico and fixing shelters and taking care of all of these dogs. And I know, I see, I see you post stuff that these dogs are very well taken care of. Like your, your shelter looks amazing. Um, how do you fund all that? <laughs> As a cattail just smacks your ear. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, I spend a lot of, uh, 
time also fundraising and, you know, a lot of people have been amazing this year, um, donating and yeah, I mean, we still need to raise a ton more, but so far we've been lucky. We have some pretty amazing donors and, um, yeah, we've just, we've gotten lucky with, with, with donors, but each trip it's kind of, you start over again, you know, like, so the next time I go, I have to start over again and, you know, fundraise again. And, and then you have the unexpected emergencies, you know, we had two dogs that had to go to the emergency hospital this past trip and that's never a cheap bill. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall to answer your question, just raising money, um, just the generosity of people, but we definitely need a lot more. So if anyone wants to donate, we, uh, my goal for these Mexico shelters is definitely, definitely high. I definitely need to raise more money. But, um, and, and, you know, a lot of people also donate their time. My vet, Dr. Werber was amazing. He donated all of his time and he went down there and he spayed and neutered and did surgeries pro bono. So it's a mixture of volunteers and, and donors. That's, that's really cool. You know, I, I feel like, uh, feel like Ed Helms and John Krasinski need to come through and, uh, and help, yeah. help you out a little bit. Come on, throw some of that office money your way. Ex-girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Come on, Andy Bernard, help, help a girl out. <laughs> but resist to him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, I, you know, I, when I first thought of having you on the podcast, I was like, that's cool. And rescues are cool. And, and I haven't done an episode about that yet. I tend to do more zoos and like wildlife conservation stuff. So I was like, that's cool. But then when I started to see your Mexico mission, I was like, oh, this is, this is special. This is really different and really special. And even though it's, it's not wild animals or, or, you know, endangered species, like we think about, um, who doesn't love dogs and, and giving, giving them better lives, uh, yeah, that's really cool. I dig it. I dig it a lot. Thank you. Yeah, we also um, rescue dogs from China and South Korea as well. I, I, I did not know, know that. that. How do you even? Wow. Tell me everything. How does that work just logistically? Uh, that I started doing about six years ago um, when I first learned about the meat trade in China. And there's this amazing group that I work with. Um, there's one amazing group in China and one amazing group in South Korea. And they are just so good at getting the dogs out of these bad situations, um, getting them, you know, into a foster and getting them the vet care they need. And then they find volunteers that are flying here and are willing to take the dogs with them. So it, it's a lot of work, but we've gotten over 300 dogs from, from South Korea and China. Um, wow. Yeah, we've gotten a lot. Um, not so many in 2020, but the last one I did was actually two months ago was a dog from South Korea. Um, she was sick with heartworm and she was living on the streets, not doing well. And we got her here and now she's living the best life. Amazing. Yeah. Now the only thing they have to worry about is LA traffic. So, uh, you know, (laughs) yeah. And that was interesting. Just going to the airport, you know, with, COVID and, and it's also, it's scary right now because I'm doing a lot. Um, but you know, I can't just 
sit back and do nothing. So I'm just as safe as I can be. Just because like COVID is very real and, and I know that, you know, you take it seriously and I take it seriously and that's very important, but, um, we can't stop worrying about animals or our planet during it. We have to find ways to make it work, but we have to keep doing good. Yeah. When COVID started and a lot of people were like, Oh, um, you know, get some sleeping in again. That's when my rescue went from zero to a hundred because everybody wanted to foster or adopt a dog and so many dogs were being dumped on the street and all the shelters closed. So we were literally 24 seven out on the streets, picking up stray dogs, um, getting them into homes. 2020, I don't think I slept at all. (laughs) And then the other thing I did was I got many calls from people that were scared. You know, what if I get sick? Who's going to take care of my animals? But we started a COVID program <laughs> and basically people would sign up and give all their info. And then we have like a bat line number. It's like a pager where God forbid you get sick or you get scared you're getting sick. You text us and we will come either take your dog or animals someplace else if you know you can't have them there or we'll help you or we'll bring you food or for frontline workers that didn't have time, we would help out. So we all got, you know, these hazmat suits and um, and started helping with that. And it, yeah, it, it's been a lot. I mean, I've probably gotten 20 or so animals from, sadly, from people who have died from COVID. Man, wow. I didn't even think of the impact that would have. Yeah, it's it's definitely been a, a crazy, crazy year. It, I mean... It's weird to say it's been a good year for animals, but it's been a pretty good year for animals just because of so many people being home wanting to adopt. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That that definitely makes sense. Uh, I just, you know, I, I, and I'm glad that you have that that hotline set up and everything because my fear with that is that as people do go back to work and and you know yeah. as as yeah, um, or or if you can't get back to work and finances keep getting stretched thinner and thinner, what happens to those animals? So having you there as the superhero for those animals is is pretty cool. I dig it. Yeah, and we changed it into it doesn't have to be just for COVID. Just in general, you know, everyone should have a safety plan. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I think I'm like way too many people's safety plan. <laughs> I'm inheriting quite a few animals, but yeah, I think especially in light of COVID, everyone should have a safety plan. Um, I think at least once a month I have that like freak out moment where I call my parents and I'm like, if anything happens to me, you're flying out here, you're taking my babies, and, you know, <laughs> but it's sad because a lot of people don't have a backup plan and sure. and that's really sad. So We've gotten a lot of those animals. Man, that's that's uh, that's yet another interesting way to look at COVID. Um, what a what a time to be alive! I'll tell you what. Um, so you said that when you're working domestically, you often uh, take animals from uh, dangerous or or abusive uh, situations. How do you go about getting an animal out of a situation like that? Like. What if the owner doesn't want to cooperate? Do you uh, do you put on some superhero garb and go bursting in? And <laughs> yeah, there's very different scenario. There's there's all different all different situations, but there are sadly a lot of situations where people are abusing animals and animal control does nothing. Um, they are a joke. 
in my opinion. If they show up, they usually will just mark it as being okay. So I've done everything from kind of go undercover. Um, you know, I'll give you some examples. Uh, there was this backyard breeder that was breeding pit bulls to fight them. So, you know, I dressed up like, <laughs> I guess I kind of dressed up like myself. I dressed up just like <laughs> dumb girl and, you know, went there and did my little flirting and, um, had my friend come with me and she videotaped everything and we got him just saying everything under the sun. And, um, that situation worked out well because he did go to jail and we did get, um, nine dogs out of there. Oh, wow. Nice. There's a lot of times where, yeah, we have to do things that aren't super safe. And, you know, I have caught friends that are behind me all the way, but it's probably not, you know, the safest thing, but I don't care if an animal is being abused, I will get that animal away from you one way or the other, whether I have to, you know, sneak in. And I mean, I'll always try to do it the safe and kindest, not kind. Uh, That's the wrong word to use because these are not kind people. I'll always try to do it like the safest way. You know, like if an animal abuser is going to accept 50 bucks, sometimes that is really just the easiest, safest way. Um, but yeah, I've definitely taken dogs from some bad people. Sounds like it. I love that you use your, your acting skills and you're just like, yeah, I had a flirt with this guy, but whatever. I got all the info and now he's in jail. So. Oh, I, I use it quite a bit. <laughs> I think a lot of people underestimate me. So, you know, when these tough guys see this little girl, they don't think twice. And then, you know, when I jump the fence and... <laughs> take your dog you know maybe they think twice (laughs) that's amazing wow um i didn't i did not know all of the all of the stories behind all of this this is incredible um yeah yeah, i I think being on the office might be the least exciting thing that you've done (laughs) (laughs) yeah i probably shouldn't talk too much about how i you know jump fences but i mean i I think you've i think you've given us enough to you know not get yourself incriminated but also to Overall, yeah, no. let's just say I have the support of the legal people, but um, it's just sometimes a lot easier to do myself than try to, you know, wait months and months and then it's too late. That's amazing. The, ne- the next time that I am in L.A., um, we need to we need to hang out. And, and if you have anything going on, I want I want to come and and see you in action and I, I can help. And, and oh, totally. Put my mad acting skills to, <laughs> to use as well. <laughs> Yeah, we can we could go on a mission together. That would be amazing. This is this is so cool. This is um you have given me so much to think about and I feel like there's almost a divide in the animal world between like conservation and zoos and like wild animals and then like domestic animals, you know? And um there, there shouldn't be. It's all one ecology. It's all interconnected. And uh, hearing the stuff that you're doing is is really inspiring. It's really cool. So thank you for doing all of this. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, I think we're all on in this on the same team. You know, all animals. You know, I'm vegan. I would love to have a farm full of cows and pigs and chickens. And yeah, I mean, I think we're all on the same team, and it it should be you know 
all animals and and I hope we're all on the same team. I feel like we all have the same goals. Yeah, I think so. I think we're all on the same team. We just sometimes miss each other. You know what I mean? Like I'm so focused on red pandas that I don't think about puppies, despite the fact that there's a really adorable puppy sleeping right next to me right now. Oh my God, I can and, see. Yeah. Come here, Lex. Oh my goodness. This is Lexi. Oh my god. Wait, what's her name? Lexi. Oh, how old is she? She is a 12-year-old long-haired chihuahua who is so annoyed at me right now. Oh my god, I love it. I love that you called her a puppy too. Oh, always, always. Yeah, no, I call I mean I call my cats puppies. <laughs> They're all puppies to me. Like 15-year-old is a puppy. <laughs> So I'm curious, as a um, a person who's running a shelter, how often do you end up getting the the bug and adopting another one of these animals? And and how many animals do you have right now? This shocked everyone. So I made a hard rule for myself that I was going to be. I wanted to make myself in a position where I could foster repeatedly, right? But right. also. You know, I'm never home. I'm constantly out doing rescue. So obviously I foster failed cats because, you know, they're cats and they're easy. <laughs> um, but what surprises a lot of people is I've come close to foster failing a lot, but in the end I always end up choosing a home because I feel that it's better for the animal because they deserve that, you know, 24-7 attention. And like there was this dog, 16-year-old dog named Soul that I absolutely fell in love with. And decided I was keeping. And then I thought about it and I'm like, he deserves someone that's going to be home. Someone that's going to give him, you know, the attention. And also if I keep him, I can't foster that next dog. So to answer your question, very long (laughs) story short, I only right now have two resident cats and then whoever I'm fostering at the moment, which right now I'm not, but miracle I was fostering and I did foster fell her, which is why it's so crazy in 20 years. I've almost foster failed so many dogs, but I never did. And with her, I like a hundred percent, she wasn't leaving me. And and then I feel like at that point, like it's not a fail. I think it's a fail if you've done it once or twice and then you, you are like, no, this needs to be my, but like clearly miracle and you had a connection. And I mean, I could see, I'm, I'm, I had tears in my eyes when I saw that she was struggling. I had tears in my eyes when I saw that she passed and I have tears in my eyes talking about it right now. I can actually feel a little like bricks there and I, I can kind of see that you do too. And it's like, sometimes that connection is just real, you know? And I think that's, I think that's okay. Yeah. She I can't even explain it. Like, I feel crazy like saying it, but I had such a connection with her just because I feel like she represented so much. Like I saw all of her pain and I saw how amazing it was to take that pain away from her and show her a good life. And I just now want to do that even more for so many other dogs that, you know, that have had the same pain that she's had. So you know, I'm devastated that I lost her, but um, she's definitely going to be my motivation to save many, many, many more. That's awesome. And and that leads me to, I think, an important question. Um, how the heck do you avoid empathy fatigue? I've heard of, of that, but I don't know exactly what that means. Well, so basically, the the it's just the concept that... Um, you know, you're so empathetic, you're so connected to um, 
all of these different animals, you hear their stories, you see them, you, you, you lose some of them, you know, how does seeing all of that not beat you down and make you depressed and sad and want to give up, but instead, um, stay positive and stay encouraged and light a fire under your butt? That's a great question. I'd say more days than, than not, I, you know, break down and cry. I, yeah, I have so many moments where I just, I can't understand why there's so much cruelty and it's just so sad, but I never understand how someone can say, I just can't do this anymore. I can't handle it. Cause it's, it's not about me. It's about them. And it just makes me want to do more. And yeah, it's definitely sad. And I definitely am not always, you know, the happiest person or like getting excited about things that a lot of other people are getting excited about, you know, like then the new bachelor episode is on and I'll be like, you know, at a shelter with a dying dog, but I can't imagine not doing it. Um, so yeah, I guess to answer your question, I definitely get very sad and, and, you know, I'm very heartbroken right now. I've actually never been this heartbroken over, a foster dog ever in my entire life. But yeah, it just motivates me more. I just want to do more. That's awesome. It sounds to me, if I can, if I can paraphrase a little bit, like what you're saying is that, um, by keeping your focus on them rather than on yourself, that's how you manage to avoid letting those feelings overtake you. Yes. You just explained it perfectly. I, I, I never think about it as what I can handle or, I'm so sad. I don't know if I can do this anymore. It's not about me. I'm not doing this for me. If I was, then I would go shopping every day. You know, I'm doing this for them. And, you know, even with Miracle dying, I'm not devastated because I miss her. I'm devastated for her because I know how badly she wanted to live and she wanted this love. And I'm so sad that she doesn't get that. I mean, and of course I I miss her tremendously, but I truly just don't think of it from my perspective. I don't live my life to make myself happy. I live my life to help others and to do good for others. It, it's it's not about me. Like, I feel like everyone should live like that. It's not about us. Right, right. No, that's, that's awesome. Um, yeah, you're cool. I, I like it. <laughs> um, so, so, um, can you tell everybody where they can find your rescue and everything online? And if they, if they want to help, how they can do that? Yes. Our website is www.theanimalrescuemission.org. My email address is shira, S-H-I-R-A, at theanimalrescuemission.org. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're all over. So yeah, our, our website has all of our information. It has all of our animals, our COVID program, um, our donation info, which again, we always need donations, um, foster information. If you want to foster for us, just all the info is on our website. So once again, it's www.theanimalrescuemission.org. Perfect. Awesome. And then it's, it's time for the final thing. It's time now, don't you know? We've come to the end of the show, but there's one tale left to go. You're gonna laugh and say, oh no, it's time for the Rossifari Poop Story. Hit me. I couldn't decide on 
I'm sure, I, I feel like there's probably so many more amazing ones that I'm not thinking of, but uh, I guess, I mean, the most recent one I could go with is sure. I was cleaning the kennel the other day and I was picking up, you know, the fake grass pads that we have. And while I was lifting one up, it spilled all over me. And, um, still I'm gagging a little bit thinking about it. Um, yeah, even though I work with animals and I'm around a lot of crap literally, and you know, I still am squeamish. So I was like, my eyes were fluttering. I was about to pass out. I was about to throw up. I had shit all over me. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I have so many more funny ones that I'm not thinking of, but that was just the most recent one that stuck with me. Hey, and that works. Yeah. I took like a five hour shower. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. Um, yeah, sure. Thank you so much for doing this. This has been a blast. Thank you. This has been awesome. Y'all, I am not going to lie. Um, the day after we recorded this interview, I had a producer reach out to me about the possibility of doing some gigging in Southern California in uh, the end of this year or the beginning of next year, where I might spend a couple months in Southern California. And literally, my first thought was not, oh my goodness, I'm excited to possibly be getting back to touring and drumming again. It was not, oh my goodness, I love Southern California, which I really, really do. My first thought was literally, holy crap, this means Shira and I can go on some crazy animal rescue missions together, and I can tell y'all about it, and it's going to be insane. So I really hope that gig works out, because, you know, my career and drumming and all that crap, but mainly because I really want to go do some amazing rescue work with Shira. How awesome were all those stories? I am just blown away by the effort that that she puts into this. It's incredible. Um, you can check her out on Instagram at uh, Shira Scott Astroff. And for the spelling and everything, just check the show notes. It's all going to be there. Um, and her rescue it can be found on Instagram at The Animal Rescue Mission. And their website is theanimalrescuemission.org. Please consider going and um, definitely looking into their uh, their COVID uh, protocols for, for people and how they're taking care of people who might need animals uh, to be taken care of um, if, you know, God forbid something happens. And uh, also, if you're able to, uh, throw them a donation because the work they're doing is amazing and they definitely need some help right now. And, uh, hey, if you know Ed Helms or John Krasinski, uh, you know, let them know that they should, they should help Shira out as well. Um, and, hey, uh, you know, my last thought is, here come those Stiderk. Well, that's our show for this week. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed making it. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan Burke and John Rossi. Listen and subscribe on any podcast app. Please take the time to leave a review as it helps other people find our podcast. You can find Rossafari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Rossafari, on the web at Rossafari.com, or email me directly at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.